Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor at Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org, and contact us. We'd love to help. We're not going to be in a big rush here uh, tonight, but we're going to start studying the book of Zechariah. And this is just a wonderful, wonderful book. And so let's have a word of prayer. And then I'm going to point out a couple of things about this and we'll get into chapter one. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray that you'd bless this time as we look into Zechariah. I pray that you would open our eyes to truth, encourage us, strengthen us through your word. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. And I pray that you continue to open up gospel opportunities. Thank you for those folks that are looking for uh, specific uh, times and, and, and reorganizing their schedule to try to uh, take time to take walks with folks, to meet folks at, uh, at grocery stores, or to, uh, to do the different things that they are doing. I pray that you would uh, continue to give wisdom, and Lord, help all of us to, as we go through this week, Lord, to go through this week slowly, looking for opportunities, praying for that door of utterance. And Lord, I pray that we would make it manifest when we have that opportunity. Lord, I also pray that you'd grow in us the, the desire, Lord, to reach, to, to think of new ways, perhaps. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to enjoy your creativity as we think of new ways to tell other folks about you. Now, bless in this time. In Christ's name, amen. Zechariah is an interesting book. Now, we've studied Haggai, and I want you to remember, Haggai, he went to them and said, listen, you guys haven't been doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be building the temple, and they weren't building the temple, okay? Well, Zechariah, because of the date here, we know exactly what is happening. Look at it in verse 1 of chapter 1. It says, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, or Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo, the prophet, saying, because of that specific date, here's what we know, okay? So the children of Israel were not doing what they should be doing as far as rebuilding the temple. Uh, they had gotten destructed, distracted. <laughs> and so the Lord came to them and said, listen, you need to consider your ways. And so they did consider their ways, and they did go up to the mountain, they did begin to build. And now, the Lord sends Zechariah two months into this process. So the people, you know, God went to them. Remember, remember the message of Haggai. He says, hey, you're, you're, you're eating food. You're never hungry. You're, you're taking drink. You're, your thirst is never satiated. You're earning money to put it into a pocket full of holes. There's just, there's nothing that's working out. I have been standing against you because you have been living in your well-appointed houses and my temple still remains unfinished. And this is an amazing thing because these people came back to the promised land in order to build the temple. This took a lot of dedication. And these people got back, then they got distracted, and Haggai said, consider your way. So now they went up. They went up to the mountain. They got wood. They said, okay, we're going to start building. And then two months into the process is when God sends Zechariah. And that's so important because there are so many. In fact, I was thinking, there, there's a couple of very, very famous passages in Zechariah. I was thinking on just kind of cherry-picking those and then going on to something else. But I've decided to spend a little bit more time and look at some of these special promises that Zechariah gives the children of Israel. And I think it's important, not because we are Israel and because we can claim the same promises, but because the principles that these promises teach us are very, very important. And it's, it's, it's how God works through his people. And God is coming with this encouragement. And it's, it's interesting. If you look at that first verse, those three names, um, Zechariah and Berechiah and Iddo, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing those correctly. I get that. But Zechariah means whom the Lord remembers. Berechiah, the Lord blesses. And then Iddo at the appointed time. So you, just those three, those three names together, whom the Lord remembers, the Lord blesses at the appointed time. And that's, that's really kind of the theme of the book is that Zechariah is saying, listen, God knows. 
he remembers and he's going to bless at the appointed and the appropriate time. And he's, he's going to give these blessings and he's going to uh, give these different visions that are going to come along. But I just want to look at the first a few verses here this evening. We look, we've already looked at verse 1. It's two months in. They're building. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're finally obeying the voice of God. And then God sends them Zechariah with a, a very interesting message. He says in verse 2, The Lord has been sore displeased with your fathers. Now in English, sore displeased, we don't use that phrase very much. But in, in the Hebrew, man, he is really highlighting the fact that God is angry. This, this is the, the way that it's structured in the sentence. It's the first word. It's, he's angry with anger. He's filled with wrath. So this sword is pleased. So he comes in. Here are these people. You say, Pastor, this is supposed to be a, a message of encouragement and, and a message of hope. And the first thing he comes in, he says, I'm mad, mad, mad. What, what is the point? Well, it's, it's important to understand this. The children of Israel were rebuilding the temple, but God still had some things for them. He said, remember how the... The, the Lord was sore displeased with your fathers. He was angry. He was full of wrath. Say, so why would he do that? Well, folks, we can't understand the grace of God unless we understand the wrath of God, the justice of God, the holiness of God. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the, the different things that come into our life, sometimes we, we get frustrated and we think, well, this is such an inconvenience and I wish this didn't happen and this, that, or whatever. And I, one, one preacher used the illustration that, uh, you know, whenever we get on an airplane, and the, the stewardess or the steward person, I don't know what we call them anymore, the, uh, the attendant, the airline attendant stands up to remember all those, you know, they say, here's the exits, here's the flotation device, here's how to put it on and put it around and breathe and the bag doesn't fill up. We all look at that and we all look at that like what? Please, you're wasting our time. Just push the plane back and let's go. Has anybody ever been on a plane where they have let those little airbags down? How many of that's ever happened? They've let those down, there's been a cabin depressurization. Just one or two. That's happened to me once. Anybody been in a plane that went down into a, what they call, water landing? See, we, you, you don't appreciate, you don't appreciate what you have when you don't understand the value of it. And when God comes in and he says, listen, I'm sore displeased with your fathers, so many people want, today want to talk about, well, God is love, God is grace, God, God is love, God is gracious, God is merciful, but we cannot forget the fact that God is sore displeased with sin. And many times we don't understand just how much had to be accomplished for his robes to be ours, that our choir sang about, how God counted our sin on Christ and made him to become sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God we can't really understand and enjoy the divine grace until we understand the divine wrath and if we don't recognize the seriousness of sin it's hard to be grateful like we should of grace I'll tell you folks that have had those little airbags drop down or have had to use any of those safety issues in an airplane they were thankful for them most of us have not spent one day of our lives being thankful. You know, I'm glad engineers spent some time and designed these little bags that'll drop out of the ceiling and keep me alive if there's a deep pressure. We never thought about that. We were just like, okay, get done talking so we can get in the air so I can get to the place where I'm going faster. But the folks that understand the importance of it is because they, they, they've had to use it. So verse 3, look at it. Therefore say thou unto them, thus saith the Lord, 
Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. And this is what I want you to get tonight. The children of Israel were doing what God had asked them to do. They were going back. They were building the temple. They were going through the activity of obedience. They had gone back, and God said, listen, I don't just want this. I want you. He says, turn you. Now, this is what we would call repentance. God is saying, listen, I want you to turn away from, and I want you to turn to me. And we know he's wanting them to turn from sin to them. The people who had begun to do what God was asking them to do, he was challenging them, listen, I want you to turn to me. And I believe the parallel is obvious because as sinners by nature, there ought to be a consistent turning from sin. And because many of us have been wrapped for so long in the assurance of our salvation, in the grace of God, that the sin that turns our heart away after so many other things becomes less than offensive. It becomes less than hurtful to God. We're not really sinning, we're just worrying. We're not really sinning, we're just watching an interesting show. We're not really sinning, we're just spreading gossip. We're not really, our heart doesn't break. Our sin isn't a problem unless it's an inconvenience. I don't forget a long time ago, this, this fellow, this friend of mine, he's now in heaven. But I remember a long time ago, we were traveling for the college, and we went over to a pastor's house. And the pastor said, hey, we, uh, this is back, young people, when you could see movies on VCR tapes, and they would rent them from different places. I don't even know if Blockbuster was around back then yet. But the pastor had found some movie that he was, that, that wanted to watch, and we were excited. And the guys in the, in the ensemble, we were kind of rubbing it in the other guys' faces. We were going to get to see it before they did. Ha, 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 going over to the pastor's house. Sat down on the couch. They popped the movie in. I don't remember exactly what it was. But the initial scene came up, and I thought, oh, my. And as I was thinking, oh, my, my friend Carson was leaping over the table, the coffee table. Popcorn's going everywhere, soda's going everywhere, spilled my Mountain Dew all over the couch, and he landed and turned off the TV with that jump. And then he turned around and looked at us and went, whew, that was close. And I remember sitting there thinking, what just happened? Carson was so in tune, so concerned about the holiness of God that as soon as he saw something, his initial reaction was, I've got to stop that. My initial reaction was, what is this fool doing? You see, because I had become used to different things, there were certain things that didn't register because I did not understand the holiness of God. And God, through Zechariah, says, listen, remember, I was angry with your fathers. And he explains why in verse 4. Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. I was going to go to Jeremiah <clears throat> chapter 42 and 43 and explain this time because the children of Israel came to Jeremiah and they said, listen, tell us what God wants us to do. And Jeremiah said, I'll go and I'll pray and I'll ask the Lord. And then he came back to them. This is, you can write it down, Jeremiah 42, 43. He comes back to them and says, okay, I prayed. This is what God wants you to do. And he told them what God wants them to do. And they made promises. They said, listen, we'll obey. We'll do whatever we want. Just, just tell us what God wants. Jeremiah came back and said, this is what God wants. And it was not what the people wanted. And they looked at Jeremiah and said, you lie. 
and we want God to protect our family as long as it's going to keep our family together. We want God uh, to, to provide for the family as long as it's going to give me what I want. We want all of these things, and we say, God, I will serve, I will serve, and yet so many Christians fall into a transactional relationship with God instead of a relationship that loves him so much that they can't stand sin. Loves them so much that holiness is a big deal. And Zechariah is a reminder that God says, listen, I want you to turn from that to me. Don't be as your fathers, verse 4, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, but they did not hear. Then in verse 5, your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? He's saying, listen, time has passed, but my word is still standing verse 6, but my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, like as the Lord of hosts sought to do unto us according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. One of the things that is so very difficult for us as human beings is to remember that God's word is eternal. See, we think we have been around forever. And some of us walk into a room and we see somebody a little bit older than us and we go, wow, they've really been around for a long time. And we, we think that our life is the only time that life has, no, no, we are a part of God's plan. God's word has stood forever. And so often we get short-sighted and we say, you know what, I know what God's word says, but this is what I want. And Zechariah is saying, please turn from that. Don't be like your father's. There is a long list of people who have said, you know what, I'm not going to do things God way, God's way, I'm going to do things my way. There's a long list of people who have stood up and shaken their fist against the holy God and said, I don't think that that sin is a big deal. I think that I can mess around. I think that I can play with it. I think that I can jump into it. I think that I can cozy up to it. I think I can let it be a part of the family. I think I can be, let it be a part of my work. I, I, I can let it be a part of my recreation. I can let it be a part of this, that. And they play with it and they toy with it. And God is saying to you, just like God is saying through Zechariah to the children of Israel, don't be like your fathers. Don't be like the long history of people who have played with sin and gotten burned. Turn. A gospel life is a life of consistent repentance. The Apostle Paul, as he got, as he got near the end of his life, did not say, boy, I'm so thankful that I'm not a teenager anymore and I don't sin. I sure am glad that I'm an old person now and I don't have a problem with sin anymore. I just go around blessing people with my presence. He said, man, I'm the chiefest of sinners. He said, the things I want to do, I don't end up doing. The things I know I shouldn't do, I end up doing those. Man, there's a war in my body. Who is going to deliver me? And then you see that gracious response, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And so let your life be a life of repentance. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. As we close with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to have a come forward invitation. But can I tell you one of the amazing things about your God? is that as he is standing here, if the Holy Spirit has laid something on your heart and has asked you to repent, I beg you, I encourage you, do not fear coming to Christ. You may be a member of Grace Christian School. You may be in trouble with the law. You may think, well, there's no way. It'll be better if I just hang on this last little bit 
Don't be like your fathers. Don't be like those that have all gone before. Listen, turn to the Lord. When Jesus says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He still is waiting. And I would encourage you, if there is some known or even an unknown sin to the, your family, to your coworker, that you turn, that you repent, that you come to God, that you appreciate his grace, his goodness, that you don't protect, that you don't try to weasel out, that you say, God, I want you more than anything else. Turn to him from your sin. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to look into your word, to enjoy your word. And I pray that you'd help us to understand how to apply this truth. Lord, help us to, Lord, consider one another to provoke to love and good works. Lord, to not give sin a pass. Lord, give us a desire for holiness, a desire to want to walk with you. Lord, to enjoy the fellowship that we have. Lord, and we confess our sins and you're faithful to forgive us. Lord, make us sensitive to that which is against you and your word. Lord, help us to love you and to hate sin. In Christ's precious name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing those testimonies. Let me encourage you to keep looking for those opportunities. And maybe even an opportunity is going to present itself on the way home tonight. I hope it does. Um, if you stop somewhere, and I pray that you look for an opportunity to continue to preach the gospel. Thank you. We'll see you Wednesday.